0: Log Talk Radio. I'll never travel in time All I can do is the best I can And go there in my mind So I close my eyes Imagine I'm there chair the hot summer night and the cool winter snow from once upon a long time ago I smile as I look back on roads I've crossed traveling down memory lane but without all of those that I loved and lost life is not the same for all the good times I can recall to all I've loved God bless you all the happiest moment that I'll ever know were one upon a long time ago once upon a time
1: once upon a time once
2: upon
0: a long
3: of the Eastern family. Once upon a long time ago, it seems like uh, to me especially, and I'm sure most of the Eastern family feel the same, that those were the happiest moments in our lives. And um, today we have uh, Jim Holder is going to co-host this with me. And uh, I hope he does
4: all the talking. Hello, Jim. Hello, my, my talking machine not working too good today. <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> well, anyhow, I want to welcome again uh, the countries around the world that uh, listen to us. Uh might be just one person in that country, but that's okay. We are happy. Uh, one person in Norway, the Netherlands, United Kingdom, Ireland, Germany, Latvia. Russia, Romania, Croatia, Austria, Switzerland, France, Spain, Portugal, Kenya, United Public of Tanzania, Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Dominican Republic, Mexico, Canada, 23 nations around the world that listen sometimes during the week to the Eastern Airlines Radio Hour. So real happy again, uh, if you're in any of those countries, thanks for tuning us in, even though probably tuning in the archive that we um, uh, have on the website, blogtalkradio.com, and uh, it's uh, it's nice that uh, you do find the interest there about our airline, and perhaps it might be someone that uh, was formerly with eastern airlines and uh, now lives in some of those countries like i don't know the uh, who's flying in romania or croatia or or uh, uh some of these countries that i named out but uh, we're we're glad you listened to us okay Um uh, jim you uh, brought to my attention a story that you just saw recently maybe today i guess seems like uh I think you said it happened today or yesterday, and can you tell it what tell us what it's all about?
4: yeah, and uh, I just got home from the hangar i wasn't didn't think I was going to be able to be on the show, but my wife and I got through with everything, and we made it in, and i and I sat down for a ham sandwich and turned my computer on and uh bang there it's this story popped up uh l a t d at Los Angeles Police Department rescues blooded pilots second before train uh, pancakes the plane and it says amazing video footage and it is it is amazing and uh, I don't know exactly where I got it, it's uh, AW American Wire, somebody sent it to me, John Costani. I don't need to you know John, former Eastern pilot, sent it to me, I don't know really where it got, but apparently it happened Yesterday, I guess, and, and it says Los Angeles police officers rescued an injured pilot with just seconds to spare before an oncoming train collided with his downed airplane. The amazing rescue Sunday, that was just yesterday, was captured on a video that was shared by police after the one Cessna 172 had crashed on the railroad tracks just outside an airfield in suburban Los Angeles. KCRA reported, that must be a newspaper, uh, the 172 crashed around 2 p.m. shortly after takeoff from Whiteman Airport in the San Fernando Valley community of uh, Pacoima or something like that, according to the Federal Aviation Outlet uh, reported. And then there's a video, and it says warning, sensitive contact. I guess it is sensitive because you almost saw a guy got killed but uh-huh. he didn't, and it's uh, L-A-P-D-H-Q at L-A-P-D-H-Q. I guess that may be an address, and it looks like it's a Twitter thing here. I'm not familiar that much with Twitter, but I see the little blue bird, and it says Foothill Division officers displayed and quick action by saving the life of a who made an emergency landing on the railroad track at San Fernando Road and Osborne Street just before an oncoming train collided with the aircraft. And it says, and then it's a video, Now you know, and and here's more text. Uh, The unidentified and bloodied pilot was pried out of the wreckage of the small plane and clearly appeared injured in the video as officers pulled him away from the tracks. Go, 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 an officer could be heard shouting just seconds before the in- oncoming retro leak train rammed through the aircraft. It says, Foothill Division officers displayed heroism and quick action by saving the life of a pilot who made an emergency later. Well, that's just a repeat of what I already said. Social media were amazed by the video and even shared another piece of footage captured by a bystander who nearly got hit with debris as the plane but praying barrel through and uh you can the video the guy's making i'm sitting here watching it right now and you can see that uh he almost got hit the guy doing the uh the video and you hear the train coming yeah here it's coming! Here it's coming! Bang! Oh man, it tore that airplane ass- to bits. You could see some of it flying toward the guy, uh, half of wow. the wing. Wow. And he, he's dropped his camera, and he's just going all over the place. Oh wow. man, that's a twenty-three second video, but you could see the train coming, blowing its horn. If you just heard it, I guess I'm going I think this is the same thing. Let me do it again. See if this is what it is. Yeah. Well,
3: how long after the train hit the plane did the police show up? I think you just mentioned, but.
4: Had to pretty, had to be very, very, very quick. And uh, comments, uh, well done, incredible video. Wow, well done, officers. Uh, Holy dookie, Mad respect for those officers. It's getting all kind of tweets and everything on it. Wow, wow. So it happened. I mean, I can't. You know, I, I watched the video, and you can see them. They're trying to get the guy out, and the plane is sort of torn up, and they look like they had trouble with a seatbelt. And uh, this one guy, there's two two guys trying to get him out of the airplane, and you can hear the crane coming. You can hear this guy saying, go, 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 go. <laughs> and then they pull him out, and he's bleeding from his forehead. He had blood on his face and everything. And, and within, within seconds, two or three seconds after they got him out, the train came through and hit that hit that airplane and, wow. the and you could see a great big part of the wing was headed toward the guy that was doing the filming <laughs> and he was moving yeah. behind it to get out of the way oh man you well, know sometimes you turn your computer on you don't know what you're going to see
3: yeah well that was a mighty fine job of reporting that jim i think you've got talent and all the uh, put in a rush. I mean, uh, uh, an application for a field reporter with the news.
4: He reported that really well.
3: You know, well, talk, all I did talk.
4: was read. Yeah, yeah, but you, yeah, oh, but yeah. you had a little emotion in with it too. Well, that's that, that's when he saw that train coming. I mean, he yeah. literally, they literally got him out about two to three seconds before the train hit it. That's amazing. And you you that could hear that. I I, 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 would, uh, I hope if you. I don't know how this Twitter thing works, but it's L A P D H Q at LAPDHQ and that may be yeah. some kind of something that'll get it to you. And then yeah. you can watch this. It's already gotten three thousand nine hundred quote tweaks, uh nine thousand four hundred and sixty three retweets. Wow. Like I said, I don't know why all this, this treatment well, is, I don't know
3: better. I I uh, quickly, before coming on the air, I always like to check to see if there's any late-minute stories that uh, we can talk mm-hmm. about on the radio show, and I saw the headlines about that. Mm-hmm. and apparently mm-hmm. it's what you have and it was on yahoo mm-hmm. so i'm sure mm-hmm. you know as dramatic as that was and uh, the yeah. heroism yeah. of those cops pulling him out and
1: yeah
3: and uh, yeah. uh everybody's going to be watching that that'll probably be on the nightly news oh, ABC, oh yeah CBS, it'll, be
4: the, it'll be on it'll be on it'll be on all of them though, this evening for sure i mean very dramatic very dramatic i mean those cops could have been killed themselves
3: Oh sure, Uh, yeah. Oh
1: my golly, they
4: got they got away. Just I mean, probably when that thing, they when the train hit it, they were probably no more than ten feet from it. But the train, you could see it blew the all its forward velocity, put the wreckage up in front of them. It it, you know it went sailing through the air, and yeah. uh, But like I said, it almost hit the guy that was filming it. Big piece of airplane
3: you know, as a kid, I used to go to these, uh, serials and, uh, movies and they, they used to have, uh, the, the gal tied to the railroad track and the railroad's coming. And of course, uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's almost there to hit the gal on the tracks. Uh, you're gonna mm-hmm. get to come in next week to see what happened. And, uh, yeah.
4: Yeah. and of
3: course there's nobody around her, and all of a sudden she's, uh, she's saved, but man,
1: this mm-hmm. sounds,
4: uh,
3: this sounds dramatic. And, uh, heroic, uh, also. And, you know, speaking of, of losing an engine on takeoff, have you ever lost an engine on takeoff?
4: Oh, uh, yeah, I think I have. I've, I've, I've lost. i lost, you know, I was talking to a couple of the guys recently, you know, about emergencies and everything. And guys that tell me that, well, you know, I never had an airplane or it crash. I mean, I never had an engine failure. I never this, that, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I got to thinking. Well, I've sort of been cursed a little bit because I've had, uh, huh. I've had quite a few emergencies. Sure enough, declared an emergency type stuff, well. um, you know. But an engine failure on takeoff. Uh, we had one going out of Omaha, and uh, the engine, number three engine, or number one engine on the seven twenty seven blew up. I mean, wow. it blew up. I was. Uh, Mm-hmm. and we aborted though and we were taking off on the short runway going to seattle but we had no problem stopping yeah but it just blew up i mean it looked like shrapnel that comes out right through the cowling on that engine passengers said to figure the hell out of them it's real real loud back there i don't know why yeah. it blew up but it did well the yeah, only I time if you, if you the only time
3: things. i've had one with the airlines was on the, when i was first hired and that was on a convair 440 and um uh, Mm-hmm. and we lost an engine on takeoff out of atlanta and mm-hmm. and it was it was ifr i mean we had minimum uh, takeoff mm-hmm. minimums but we were in the clouds
1: mm-hmm.
3: when we lost uh i don't know one or two the number one mm-hmm. or number two engine and uh, of course uh, the captain did a wonderful job uh in bringing it back around and um uh, uh, we we landed mm-hmm. and, and got another airplane, but uh, that was the only one. But instructing the many hours that I was a flight instructor, which was about three thousand hours of flight instructor mm-hmm. time, I used to always give emergency uh, simulated emergency landings uh, to students. Mm-hmm. And um, and even though I've never had one in a small airplane, but and losing all power, of course uh but you and I have been trained on takeoff what to do at v1 and v2 and mm-hmm. you know, that type of thing in the simulator
1: mm-hmm. and
3: um and I think you and I both took our training in the actual airplane we didn't have simulators back in those days Jim
4: you remember that well yeah it, uh, yes I do remember that and uh, uh I did have training in Eastern's first uh simulator,
5: and, uh-huh. uh, but
4: it was no motion, it was no nothing, it was just, uh, you know, but the gauges all working and everything, and of course, we lost engines and all that, and incidentally, yeah. when I went to work for APA uh, after Eastern, and I went through training up at uh, simulator training at Purdue, and there was that same simulator that I had training on at Eastern Airlines, and it was... Cutting edge technology back in 1960, whatever it was, when I went through on that 727. And here I am on another career, in another airline, and I'm applying the same simulator
1: again.
4: Well,
3: I got but, one. Uh, I got one that equal that, Jim. After uh-huh. Houston shut down, I was hired by by Korean Airlines, and I went over to Seoul and took the physical. And um, they sent me down to to Kuala Lumpur uh, and mm-hmm. to take the simulator training and it was uh, i was going to fly the a300 and mm-hmm. as it turned out when we got down to kuala lumpur uh we went to the simulator room and there was the same simulator that i took my check ride in
1: with <laughs> eastern
3: airlines eastern uh-huh. had sold that simulator to uh, the asian airline down there and uh And there's the same, it was the same simulator (laughs) all the way around the other side of the
4: world. Uh, Well, you know, talking about problems on takeoff, uh, I don't know if you remember I had in my last magazine, the last repartee magazine, I was running out of something. And I appreciate all the stuff you sent me over the years, too, that helped me fill out the magazine, ink, as you told me. That's ink. You got to have ink. And uh, and so, but I wrote this story uh, three or four years earlier and I was about to run out of ink. And on my very last repartee magazine, you know, which I did for, what, 17 years or something like that, uh, I put that story on there. And I had an engine tearing up on takeoff and being (laughs) a, well, I'll tell you the story if you want me to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it and fill out a few few minutes of uh airtime. Uh there toward the end at Craig Air Force Base where I was going through pilot training. Uh we were about two months from graduating my class, sixty two l and uh, we were gonna go out and have some fun one day, supposedly. I mean it was training, but we were gonna we were gonna strafe an island in a river south of uh uh, Montgomery, Alabama, I forgot the name of the river, no, but it was a deserted island out there, and we were going to act like we were diving down on it and doing all that. And it was a four-ship uh, flight, and it was Hacker Flight, and I was Hacker 4 because uh, I was solo in number 4, number 2 was solo, and then 1 and 3 had an instructor. And uh, the T-33 didn't have very good brakes, and when you ran the engine up, it was very difficult. To, uh to uh keep the airplane from creeping on you uh, i don't think you were a military guy so you probably never had experience flying a t33 which is a converted f-80 they just put another seat in there so we briefed and all that and the flight and the flight lead was the squadron commander you know the head guy in our flight i mean he was a captain and he had a student and then they had a solo number two was solo and then number three was a uh, st- uh, instructor and a student and then old dumbass me was number four and so we briefed and all that and gave our plane numbers and he said okay let's go have some fun so while we were running out there and and I had written down my plane number on uh, my hand with an ink pen and I started looking for aircraft uh, eight, 813 I think it was and I was looking for 813 all over the place, and I finally found it. And um, am I still on? I can't hear anything.
3: Yeah, you're still on. Can okay. you hear me?
4: Okay. Yeah, I hear you. And uh, and I found it, and I started pre-flighting it, and I was getting all ready to go because we were going to taxi out, and we'd taxi out like a four-ship like we were the Thunderbirds or something. And it was going to look good, you know, we were following each other and this young airman came up to me and he said Lieutenant you can't fly this airplane it's been redlined I said what he said it's got a red you can this plane's not fit to fly and I looked down and my airplane was 131 I mean 831 I was at the wrong airplane I said oh my god so now I'm running around all over the place looking for 831 and I finally found it and I looked out there and on the taxiway there was 3 T birds with their canopies up and I felt like every eye was on me, like, what in the world is going on? So I dashed up. I didn't do anything. I just dashed up, got in the cockpit. I didn't check nothing and nothing and nothing. I just <laughs> got up and started strapping in and turned on the battery. And the first thing I heard was, Hacker 4, where are you? Hacker 4, where are you, Hacker 4? You know, that's me. I'm Hacker <laughs> 4. And,
1: I'm,
4: and they're out there with the engines running, waiting on me. So, man, I started, you know, to get the little airman out there with, pulled the ladder away and i saluted him he saluted me and i'm not i'm not even sure i had my seatbelt fastened or anything. so i cranked up and i said i'm coming i'm coming to hack a up hack a up so i finally get out there and, and i'm the last one taxing to this full four, four ship and we're taxing out we're going to take off to the northwest and i'm trying to of course they can't see me back there but i'm all over the place trying to put my seatbelt on and put my oxygen mask on and everything else, it's all <laughs> this stuff I should have done, you know. And I'm trying to, what did I forget? What did I forget? I'm looking all over the place. What did I forget? And uh, we turned on there, we lined up, line right, and one and two, and then three and four, we all lined up. And the way that you do it on a formation takeoff like that in the Air Force, or probably anything, you run the engines up pretty, 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 pretty much max power. And number one and number three, uh, they don't go all the way to max power. And then everybody, uh, you know, we get out there and get ready to go, and they one turns to two, two turns to three, three turns to four, are you ready, and you nod your head. Well, they did that. And we keep in mind, number three is the squadron commander, you know, my, the head guy. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sitting there, and, and uh, he looks at me. The student looks at me. Of course, he's looking at me, too, the student in the front seat. And I nod my head, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And, and, the, and the good captain does a thumbs up with me, and I look up, and my canopy was still up. <laughs> oh, I was gonna take off with my canopy. Man, oh God, a mighty! Oh, they gonna? I'm gonna bust this ride. Oh, how can I bust a ride where <laughs> we're going out and having fun?
1: <laughs> so I let the canopy down and
4: lock it. And now they go through the nodding again, and I get to do it this time. Well then, everybody goes to 96 percent power. I think it was 95 or something like that, and you, you really got to hold the brakes on the T33. The brakes are bad, but if you got a guy in the back, he can help you hold the brakes. But I don't have anybody in the back, so mm-hmm. now we do all this. And number one, he lifts his head. And he drops his head. When he drops his head, one and two off they go. Now number three, my leader, with the good captain. It starts counting, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, and then he drops his head, and now we go. Well, the problem is (laughs) my nose wheel got cocked because I was trying to hold the brakes, and when when they released the brakes, I took off to the side of the runway heading for a mobile (laughs) controller over there. It's got two guys, two or three guys in this pickup truck with a glass. You know what a mobile controller is. Yeah, and they're, me and here, I'm heading for them in the first street. So I down the left brake, you know, and now I'm going down the runway, zigzagging behind. Sometimes the, the good captain's looking over his right shoulder at me, and then he'd be looking over his left
1: shoulder at me. And,
4: you know, I'm thinking, God, I, this is horrible. I suppose know what I'm doing, you know. And I see him break his nose wheel, so I broke my nose wheel up, and by this time I'd sort of gotten in the right on his right wing back there a little bit and uh but i was going faster than he was i aerodynamically speaking i don't know it's me accelerating and all of a sudden i'm flying and he's still down there on the runway so i'm looking oh, down geez. at my leadership oh, and God. he's looking up at me of course the student in the front seat's not seeing any of this he's flying in number three well the bank's long story short we go out we do the five thousand foot level off where we check everything and then we put our uh take away our zero turn zero delay uh, handle a step if you took off you know you punch out it automatically departs you parachute but this is like right when they had a 20 millimeter cannon shell would shoot you out not a rocket and all that stuff they got now <laughs> and 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 we now we join up again into a four-ship at your line right and and i can't keep up with them you know they're just going away from me and i've had to start on something that you know go back And they say, Hacker 4, Hacker 4, get on up here, Hacker 4. This is the leader, the number one instructor is leading the flight. I mean, he's in Uh command of the flight, the guy that's uh, with the student (laughs) in number one. But, of course, he was like a first lieutenant instructor. So we go, go and I'm just getting further and further back. And the engine don't sound right and they're just making noises and all this kind of
1: stuff and
4: I'm, but I'm soaked up by now it could have quit and I wouldn't have known it. I don't think it's what <laughs> had told me. And uh and they just hollered at me back there, Hack A four, get up here, hack a four, get back in position. And I said, i why I said I got full throttle, I got full power leave full all the way forward and and I'm still slowly sliding back. And uh they said, Well pull off and I and I said that my engine's making noises too. And they said, "Well, pull off, go off to the right and take a look at everything." So I pulled off to the right. We're going through about 10,000 feet now, maybe 12.
1: And uh,
4: I looked down there, and they didn't have any oil pressure. A little bit of gauge right down between your knees on the thing was oil pressure, oh. and it was zero. And I said, "I got I, I don't have any oil pressures oil pressure." Is zero. And they said, "Turn immediately back and go back to Craig, make a right turn." And so I did, and started back. And uh, and now number three is on my wing. He's flying on my wing, the student and the squadron commander. And so uh, they set me up for high key and all that kind of stuff, you know, which is uh, where you practice. We had practiced that all the time, 5,500 feet, and then you throw the gear and flaps out, make one big circle and come in and land. And, and that's basically what I did. Although by the time I was down, the engines quit somewhere. Somewhere I don't know exactly where, but the gear and flaps were already down, so it didn't matter. I was made the airport, and I, I got so towed in. See, a
3: dead stick landing? Did you have a dead stick landing?
4: Basically, basically, that's the in. Yeah. Uh but But uh, they had to tow me in. I don't know, if but see, the the flaps, the gear, listen, oh, I can't remember. It was it was hydraulic, most of it
1: was hydraulic. Yeah.
4: But no, I already had the airplane configured for landing at high key. Yeah. And it just came on around, and uh, and yet, of course, we didn't have any trouble with flying. It did okay. But I had to get up and tell everybody, you know, what happened and everything. And and, uh, this guy came over, one of the students. He said, you know, I flew that airplane that morning. He's whispering to me. He said, "I almost wrote it up." <laughs> he said, "The engine would make a lot out. of bad noise." <laughs> I almost wrote <laughs> it up. <laughs> yeah. so I said, "Well, I sure as hell wrote it up, you know." <laughs> it quit on me. So that wasn't we- on takeoff, but I took I took off with a failing engine, you know. <laughs> it had yeah. enough power to get me in the air and get me up to about twelve thousand feet, and then it was really going. And I went down to the. Uh, hanger the next day and uh the, the mechanics and everything and of course i was very interested in what happened and they said it had two roller bearings and they said the rear roller bearing had these and torn up and it lost uh, all the oil pressure or maybe it lost all uh, oil pressure and then it tore up i don't know but the bottom line is it tore up you know and, and uh that guy that uh told me that real nice guy from uh, Oregon, I think it was, and he sort of whispered it to me, like he didn't want anybody else to know. But he said, "I would almost wrote that airplane up," you know. And I said, "I wish you had, wish you had," but unfortunately, he got killed in bed now. Oh boy! And, uh, you know, you uh, know,
3: that's such a story, uh, uh, true story. I I like for you to review this uh, uh, this
1: uh,
3: this show and edit and and put put a story out. I like to put that in my book. That's That was a great story, Jim. I like that one. I hadn't heard that one
4: before. Well, well, I, I had it in my Life magazine, the wise one I, did, I, the magazine, huh? yeah, well, I think. That was your last story, the last
3: magazine, huh?
4: Well, you know, if you had yeah. that,
3: yeah, if you can pull that and send it to me, I'd love that.
4: Well, I've got it in my computer, the story, you know. I can pull it yeah. up and send it to you. Yeah, All be right, glad very too. good. Yeah, they very just good. really, you know, but... Uh, you know, it was – it was. <laughs> the title of the story is uh, Hacker 4, Where Are You? Because they're all out there waiting to take off, and we're going to do this simulated mission and strike and dive down and act like we're strafing this deserted island. It's more than a deserted island. It was just we, – we saw it on the map and everything. It was just a, right out there in the middle of the river, you know. And, and I guess they did it a lot, and I bet all of People around there wondered, what the hell are these, these airplanes always diving out there? <laughs>
1: you
4: <know? laughs> well, you say <laughs> island. Are you something? talking
3: about an island out there? Oh, you talk talking about an island off a river.
4: Yeah, a river, yeah. yeah. Okay, it, not it, the but, Gulf but, of Mexico, was, yeah. Oh no 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 no! This was uh, yeah. this was in South Alabama. I think it was oh, the Tom okay. Bigby River, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And but it was this, this, this I don't know if they, everybody did it, but that's what we were gonna do it because we was you know we about to wind up and graduate yeah. and all that. and yeah. Go well, let's go out and have some fun type <laughs> thing. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you, <laughs> I even got a picture of me standing beside the airplane the next <laughs> day. One of my friends took a picture of it. Did you go but, to the bar uh, that
3: night and talk about it?
4: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure I did. <laughs> they happen what they call the, the, the stag maroon bar. At yeah. The but, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, I went from a goat to uh, something not a goat, you know, because you know, well, enough of that. Well, you
3: know, you and I were talking before airtime about that guy landing on the railroad tracks and and uh, mm-hmm. making an emergency landing, uh, he may have intentionally chosen the railroad track to it, land it the airplane. It sounds like,
4: it, looking at the little bit of the video, you can see there's, a, it's like the road, like he tried to land on the road that crossed the railroad track, and he ended up uh, on the railroad track. You don't really oh. get to see it real, you don't get to see it too much, but it looks to me like it. That uh, but you can hear the you can hear the train blowing that horn, you know, whistle and everything and that guy's like wow. go, 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 go and they pulled away and it with and I mean almost instantly the train hits that uh, that airplane. Well, as
3: as soon as we go off air I'm gonna watch that video for sure.
4: Mm-hmm. And I'm sure yeah. other
3: folks listening to our show today will go and watch that video also. But uh yeah, mm-hmm. that that is very dramatic. Uh you know, some of the things uh, that I thought about the show today, and I was thinking about some of the things about what I miss, uh, what I miss with Eastern Airlines not, you know, being uh, an employee any longer, no longer flying or working for a great company. and and uh, But then again, I get, get to thinking that after Eastern shut down, the family stuck together. Mm-hmm. and when when i say stuck together well we had the associations like you and i were members of and participated in the retired eastern pilots association which uh produced that uh, magazine that great magazine for about 40 years 40 some years uh,
2: mm-hmm.
3: Repartee. The great stories mm-hmm. in it and 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 that was a a magazine that uh, that all Eastern pilots enjoyed coming every month, uh, every every issue. When I was the editor, I was doing three issues uh, a year, which that's what Bill Malone before me was doing, and I Mm -hmm. think you continued that for maybe a year or so, and then you went down to two issues.
4: Right, and um, then one.
3: But, uh, you know, a lot of the wives told me that they would grab that magazine and start reading it before their husbands read it, and uh, they enjoyed it so much. And then there was the EARA newspaper, as it was called, Mm -hmm. KIT, K-I-T, Keeping Mm -hmm.
4: in Touch. Keeping in Touch, yeah.
3: Yeah, and I remember that uh, most everyone uh, received that newspaper. As a matter of fact, I've been talking with – Michael Zoll who was the last president of EARA I talked to him yesterday via uh, email and he had a stroke and he's communications for a while now and and trying to recover and um, so that's what's happened to Michael and um, he didn't say you know what parts it has affected but sounds like it was a major stroke and uh, he said he could walk with a walker, so at mm-hmm. least he has that mobility. And uh, so, Michael, if you're listening, uh, we hope you uh, are back up to speed uh, uh, as as quickly as possible. I know my, my daughter's husband went through a major stroke, and he was almost left a vegetable. And now she's rehabbed him to the point that he can ride a tricycle. And he can uh, walk with a walker, of course, and uh, he's talking a lot clearer, And uh, but he's still having trouble with his hands. He has a hard time eating because he can't control his hands. But it mm-hmm. is a major thing that uh, some of these guys go through. And I remember uh, at, at, when I was over at the Alabama convention, Jim, and that was one of the last conventions that I went to. Uh, Over in Alabama,
1: Birmingham.
3: Yeah. No, no, no. The one down at uh, uh, Fairhope, Alabama. Oh, uh, okay. I went to that one and um, it wasn't one of the last ones, but it was one of those that uh, Jim Blackburn, you remember Jim Blackburn, don't you?
4: Oh, yeah. So definitely.
3: Yeah. And he had a major stroke, too. And he was telling me. Yeah, because I was I went over there to stay with my daughter for a week And it just so happened it coincided with the uh, Repa convention. So I traveled back across Mobile Bay and and went to the convention there at the Marriott, which is a beautiful uh, venue that you guys had Mm -hmm. selected. And and I I saw Jim Blackburn there, and and he was telling me about his problems. And and he had a major stroke, and it took him a long time before he got back up to speed. So, yeah. Michael, I hope uh, I hope things work out for you and keep us posted as to as to how you're doing. I always like to hear from Michael and Zal. And he was the uh, president of EARA when it went out of business. And Michael was uh, so kind that he shipped me about 20 of the uh, Wings of Man, the coffee table book version of Wings of Man. As a matter of fact, if you hadn't shown up, Jim, today, I would have uh, – been reading some of the stories out of it. That's what I plan to do. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> but, uh,
2: well, you know, I got
3: I got a caller here online, 519. Is that the Harry?
2: No, that's Renee.
3: Hey, Renee, up in, yeah, up in uh, uh, Toronto, aren't you? Yeah.
2: Well, actually in London now, but from Toronto.
3: In London, England?
2: <laughs> I wish. <laughs> you in? <wish. No>, Ontario. <laughs>
3: Okay, Ontario. Yeah, I was just kidding you there. And yeah. um, always nice to see you show up on my producer's board here. But we're just we're just uh, talking, and uh, 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 some of the things that I miss, and 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 Renee, you you probably look forward to every E A R A newspaper that you receive too. I did, yeah. Yeah, great reading in it, and uh, and it came out, I believe, came out uh, monthly, every month, mm-hmm. and then then they started every two months, and until it finally went out of business. But uh, that's what I miss. I miss that newspaper. I miss that REPA magazine coming to me. I miss mm-hmm. REPA conventions. Oh, yeah. by the way, Jim, are you going to have a convention still this year? Yeah.
4: No, uh, we don't even call it a convention anymore. We call it a reunion. And yeah. Johnny Steinmetz is uh, the current president, and he put a message out yesterday <laughs> that they're now they were going to do something in the spring in Atlanta, well, north of Atlanta, and now they've decided uh, to maybe try to do something in the summer. Depending on what the situation is with the COVID and all that kind of stuff, now Johnny, uh, I did I did two newsletters after my uh, discontinued the Repartee magazine, and uh, Johnny uh, put out it's putting out a newsletter as of today I haven't got it, but talking to him huh. yesterday or day before yesterday, uh, I have been keeping up with the deceased Eastern pilots and putting them on the REPA website under, yeah. in, in memoriam and everything. And so he knew that I had done that. And he had asked me if he could put that on the tail end of his newsletter, which yeah. uh, he thinks he hadn't put it out yet. I don't know if he's talking about mailing it out to everybody or just putting it on the internet, the REPA website, www.reeponline.com, uh, or not. But as of this morning, I didn't see it. But I did send him uh, that list of uh, the guys that have died just this the East, second. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's probably about, I'd say it's probably about 50, 50 names. Wow. And uh, But he's going to come out with that pretty in the near future, I believe. And that will be uh, uh, just another Reaper newsletter. Yeah, well
3: uh, Renee, do y'all have any kind of groups up there in the Toronto area Canada or do you know of any of them over in Montreal or any part of Canada that eastern um,
2: employees? Actually no, nothing uh, with eastern. Um, Buffalo used to have a, a group for a while and I had lost uh, contact with them in Montreal or Ottawa there's nothing there and uh, Toronto we had a group for a while and then as things happen. It's all petered
3: out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, most of us, age gets us, and we are uh, mm-hmm. un- unable to to get from here to there, and uh, so that takes its toll. And and uh, but you know these organizations now, the Silver Liners still put out a fabulous magazine, and uh, Brenda Chabot does that she's the editor and the last one i got i think she puts out two a year the last one i got uh... it was very colorful a lot of color in it and uh... they're announcing their a uh, convention in tampa this year and i believe it's in april and um and um uh, they they they're growing instead of losing members they're growing because They've opened up the Silver Liners to all airlines. So they've got, I think, well over 60 different airlines that are now part of the Silverliners group. Uh, the Silverliners have chapters. They have a Silver Liner chapter out in Phoenix. I think that was the latest one that just cranked up. And, and um, Atlanta's got one. Miami's got one. They're all over the place, the chapters. And they have luncheons. I belong to the one here in Jacksonville, St. Augustine, and they have monthly luncheons at uh, one of the flight attendants' homes or either at a restaurant, local restaurant, and I missed the one last month, but I was a speaker in the one- month before that. I was a speaker in uh, in uh, one of the flight attendants' homes. So anyhow, it's, it's that that keeps us in. Oh, by the way, another thing is the Facebook Uh, is keeping Eastern family together in that there are probably over 12 Facebook pages, I don't know what you call a a Facebook website, it's not a website just call them Facebook pages I think but there are over 12 different ones of Eastern folks I know I've got two that I do uh, one is the radio show, the Eastern Airlines radio show Facebook page, and and the other one is the E A R A, Eastern Airlines Retiree Association, and um, I'm doing that one because there's no longer a newspaper, so I was hoping that and it's very popular. It's getting very popular. I've got just started it last year, and right now we're up to about a thousand members. So people are uh, tuning in those uh, websites are not websites but facebook pages and uh, it's interesting to see the comments and and um, and the, the reaction that when you put out a a question how many people respond to it so it keeps uh, keeps the eastern people talking about eastern airlines and, um, you know, it's amazing that even Pan American National, Braniff, uh, Piedmont, uh, all of those allow me to, to post our radio shows on their website, on their Facebook pages. So, um, mm. yeah. And a lot of uh, the other airlines listen to our radio shows. Uh, if there's any airline employee other than Eastern Airlines, we're glad you're listening to us. (laughs) So, uh, but at any rate, uh, I miss Eastern Airlines, and I enjoy playing that once upon a long time ago, because uh, in my mind, I travel back there just about, just about every day, I think of Eastern, in some way or another. So, that's a good thing. Any comments from either one of you guys?
4: Well, I miss Eastern also, and uh, it was a great airline. It was a great airline. It was a pilots airline. Everyone, the, yeah. the industry would say, you know, Eastern is a pilots airline, and it was. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, back in the days before Lorenzo. Yeah. Yeah,
3: it sure was. Uh, uh, we, the pilot said. From what I understand, the other airlines them, some of the others united and all they they uh, they had the captains uh, they could be outvoted on what they should do, you know of course, the second in command other than the captain of the airplane is always the dispatcher. I don't know if you guys do that, but the dispatcher says, "Yes, you can go or no, you can't go." And uh, because yeah. the dispatcher has the authority to do that.
4: But uh, I don't
3: recall ever having a dispatcher
4: outvote me on what I wanted to do. <laughs> Nor <are laughs> I. Nor I. That's right.
1: <laughs> yeah. it,
4: speaking of that, did you remember old Hanson Calloway? I know you, yep.
1: do. you had him oh, in yeah. these
4: magazines many times, but I probably flew with Hanson easily. Flew with Hanson more than any other one captain yeah. at Eastern Airlines. But he loved to tell that story about how he took off out of uh, some uh, you know, Martin, four four two engine prop, and uh, going to Chicago. And Chicago was really fogged in. And this was back in the day before GCAs and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and Hanson probably told me the story five times every time i would not I didn't let him think he sent him it to me for the first time because <laughs> it made it feel good but and you probably got it from him several times too.
1: Yeah. But
4: dispatcher told him, you know, five hundred just gallons of gas, aviation gas. And uh dispatcher said, Well all like all I, all you could take is five with say I'm uh, I'm making the number up. Uh, yeah. like five hundred gallons of fuel. And uh and the Chicago was really socked in, and the weather was going to be there. And, you, and you know, and so Hansen takes off, but he tells him to put on eight, 800 gallons, 300 gallons more than uh, <laughs> the dispatcher said. And he didn't tell the dispatcher. But, he, you know, of course, he was overweight, but it doesn't matter. You know,
1: Not 300 mass. pounds, <laughs> yeah.
4: 300 gallons, yeah. So he takes off, and he goes up there, and he is in the holding batter. And he holds, and he holds, and he gets messages uh, from dispatch, you know, you, you better go back to your alternate. And he said, no, we've we still got enough fuel. No, and they called him back. He said, hey, Captain Calloway, you, you know, this is being relayed, not person to person. In fact, yeah. the way we did it, he had to go through some radio station. And uh, and, uh, and then he started asking, what is your fuel? And Hanson would tell the guy, the relay guy, I said, uh, we have sufficient fuel. And this went on. <laughs> it's still holding The He's and go, what's your fuel? We still have sufficient fuel. And he <laughs> said the dispatcher was just going ape crazy. And he said, know, what the fuel was through this other guy. And the guy on the radio was, said, well, Captain, I, I think I need to tell him what, how much fuel you've got. Don't you t- tell him? He just, I said, just tell him we have sufficient fuel. And then he got a message back says the dispatcher demands you to tell him how much <laughs> fuel you have, and he said, "Well, I still got two hundred, but we just got cleared for the approach." <laughs> and they, so he, he said that the dispatcher's fuel was long gone, and he was running on Hanson fuel.
1: <laughs>
4: I miss old Hanson, by the way. I mean, I, he loved to tell stories, and he could oh, do a job too. of telling. I do mm-hmm. miss him. Yeah, yeah. We got some yeah. great
3: guys. And um, well, we about run out of time and run out of things to talk it went about. Real fast. Yeah, it did. It went real fast. Mm-hmm. Renee, mm-hmm. good to see you back with us. How was your year last year, Renee? I didn't talk to you since the last last year. Yeah. Well, I guess mm. Renee stepped away from the phone. But uh um, yeah. Enjoyed all the talk and. Um, oh,
2: sorry, I was muted.
3: You, oh, okay. Well, I was just wondering how your year was last year, and and I uh, hope you have a better year this year. I hope all of our year uh, year of this year is going to be better than last. It's got to be.
2: In the Absolutely, last two years. and uh, what I do have on the CNN Travel News today, there's an article about a former uh, Eastern flight attendant, Betty Nash. She's oh, in the age yeah. range of eighty. She's been flying for like six decades and there's an article with her uh in pictures of her uh at Eastern. I
1: don't
2: yeah. know if she's still alive yeah. but the article came up so um yeah. if you ever know yeah. or flew with Betty Nash, there's an article about her today.
3: Yeah, she flies for American I think it's American. Betty Nash, yeah, yeah
2: she's, she's still flying yeah. at eighty years old? 80 years old. Yeah, Yeah, she's still flying.
4: I had a picture of her in the Life magazine and an article about her, too. Wow. Yeah.
3: Well, that was, uh, uh, she's uh, had an interesting life. Well, I'd like to hear her stories over a lifetime of flying almost. Golly, thanks. Uh, I wonder if she's going to think about writing a book (laughs) about (laughs)
2: her
3: her life in the air because it has been a lifetime in the air, you know. When you start counting up the hours of flying time that a pilot has, uh, the most time I've heard anyone have, of course, was uh, my friend in Knoxville, Tennessee, a woman, had the second most time, and and the guy that, was a fixed-base operator in Montgomery, Alabama, had the most flying time of anybody. Now, these were general aviation pilots. But the most commercial time that I've ever heard was over 40,000 hours. And, Jim, have you
4: heard uh, uh, the
3: high-time
1: flight well, hours yeah, uh,
3: of
4: pilots? I, I had one of my roommates, uh, there was uh, four of us in a suite, Two bedrooms with a bathroom in between and uh, three guys from Mississippi and one guy from Illinois and uh, the guy one of the guys from Mississippi ended up with Pan Am but uh, after his uh, career with Air Force he flew the KC 135 the C 135 and he flew the 137 which was a special air missions like Air Force One but he didn't fly Air Force One he flew Air Force whatever something else. But uh, he was in that same deal, and then he flew for Pan Am. And How
1: many hours? A
4: couple of months ago, well, so I said, A couple of months ago, he said uh, he's still alive, and he's a Mississippi guy, and we we're in touch with each other. And he said, "Well, I ended up with thirty nine thousand two hundred and something hours. How much did you end up with, meaning me?" And I yeah. said, "Well, I ended up with a little over 20, uh, 21,000 uh, hours." uh but i've had a hell of a lot more landings than you did because <laughs> you know pan Am, he may get yeah. four landings a month or something like that you yeah know? and uh he said yeah i'm sure you did <laughs> but you uh yeah but i i lost uh four four years of flying between eastern and yeah. ata and uh well, was, yeah and, and when i got with ata i picked up another 2500 so it put me little over 21, I think it's around 22, 2000, 2000. Well, like I had
3: 27,000, 3,000 of those were general aviation instructing, so. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. time racks up. But what I was saying, when you take those hours and, and uh, you divide them by a day and, and, uh, and then the days in the year, and you can figure mm-hmm. out how many years you've spent aloft. And yeah. uh, and it, it's amazing how many years uh, Betty Nash has spent aloft. Oh. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: 60. Did you say, Renee? Did you say sixty years she's been flying?
2: Uh yeah. She started at Eastern on November fourth,
3: nineteen fifty-seven. Golly, Pete! Oh my golly!
2: Yeah. Uh. Mm-hmm. Well. What, what does she drink to keep alive? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well,
3: been fun talking about Eastern again today. And uh, so I'm going to let old Merle Haggard uh, check us out of here again and uh, on Silver Wings. And by the way, we have a radio show that we did last night at 6 o'clock. And it was pre-recorded, Stories, uh, that I call Stories Worthless, Aviation Stories Worth Listening to. And you can pick it up on the archive, and it's, uh, it's special number one for this year. And I uh, don't know whether I'll do it again. I think I'll do it again next Sunday. turned out real good. And what we do is we tell uh, about five aviation stories that uh, you, you probably have never heard before. And sprinkle, I sprinkle it in with songs from different states. Well, last night I used Texas, and I was telling Jim, I started the singing in Galveston and finished up in El Paso,
1: so <laughs> <laughs> I
3: followed Interstate 10 all the way across the state of Texas. Well, I yeah. threw in San Antonio also and, and Amarillo mm. and, uh, and uh, but it, anyhow, it was fun. It was fun singing and uh, fun uh, listening to the stories that we shared uh, last night. I did one on the Connie. Uh, the story of the Constellation, the story of the Boeing 727. And I did a story about Jack Hunt, who was the founder of Embry-Riddle. And a lot of people didn't know that uh, he did other things in World War II uh, besides founding a university, eventually a university. And uh, then we did uh, about uh, what determines space. We did a story on what determines space. And um, hmm. how the FAA looks at it, and how NASA looks at it, and how the scientists look at it, and and then we did one on crashes, and uh, they were all they were all interesting stories, I think, and I hope the listeners enjoyed them as well. So anyhow, if you got time, Sunday afternoon at six o'clock, uh, or either pick it up on the archive, and uh, we're probably going to do another one. I've got some more sh- stories to tell and. More songs to sing. So anyhow, Merle, I'm going to let you take over right now and sing us out of here. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Renee, for showing up. Appreciate it. All the help I can get.
4: I enjoyed it.
3: Yeah, I enjoyed your stories always. Renee, you take care. Don't get too cold.
2: I won't. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Don't leave me, I cry Don't take that airplane ride But you locked me out of your mind And left me standing here
1: behind
5: Silver somewhere in flight, they're taking you away, leaving me lonely, silver
1: wings,
5: slowly fading out of sight.